Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. I'm Chance Dorland, and this is the Spurs Insider, our weekly NBA podcast from ExpressNews.com. And I'm joined now by San Antonio Express News sports writer Jeff McDonald, fresh from the Spurs buzzer beater 126-124 victory against a not-so-good Phoenix Suns team. But that game was close, Jeff. Yeah, it wasn't a very satisfying victory, I don't think, uh, for the Spurs faithful. is kind of like an empty calories kind of victory playing against a team that had looked a Phoenix team that's bringing up the rear in the Western conference is, you know, probably actively trying to lose and uh, had lost eight in a row coming in. The Spurs couldn't put them away. Um, uh, you know, tried very hard to give the Suns the game, but Rudy Gay bailed them out with a 20 footer at the buzzer to give them a win at the end of the season. When you're, uh, Looking at who's in the playoffs and who's not, um, it counts the same as beating Golden State by 50. So uh, they'll celebrate it then. Um, at this point, they're not so happy with it. I know Pop, after the game, took no questions, uh, had about a 20-second statement in which he basically said, uh, you know, Spurs didn't play very well, disrespected the game, and Phoenix got robbed. So uh, you can tell Pop's not real thrilled with the way the Spurs played tonight. And I just want to throw in, I thought it was hilarious how uh, Rudy Gay got tackled after that shot. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, uh, I think Davis Bertans bear hugs him. They take him to the ground. There's a, there's a, just a big dog pile. And then they go to the back and like five seconds later, Pop is ripping them and telling the media how sorry they played. And, you know, doesn't, doesn't really allow them to uh, rest on their laurels very much. Um, because you know, they're at the point of the season now with about 30 games to go where, um, a, a win isn't just a win. Like you want to start building good habits and uh, building towards the playoffs and, and building a team that's going to do some damage once it gets to the playoffs and playing the way the Spurs did last night with our uh, tonight with so little focus and, and urgency um, and, and the defense just not being anywhere close to par. Um, that's, that that's, you know, a win like this, maybe, Pop lives with it in, uh, let's say, November. But by the time you're into late January, heading towards February, um, it's not going to cut the mustard with with Greg Popovich as your head coach. And so, obviously, a disappointing win. That's a weird thing to say, but I guess that would be the way to put it. Exactly. Um, but to break it down, um, obviously, DeMar DeRozan, once again, still out, although he did do some shooting before the game, apparently. Um, but yeah, I mean, Phoenix is is bad. I mean, even without DeMar DeRozan, shouldn't have been this close. Yeah, and especially not at home. Um, you know, a lot of it is is in the Spurs' approach. That, Like I mentioned earlier, there wasn't a lot of urgency uh, and not a lot of defense being played. And as a result, you allow Phoenix to stick around. And Phoenix, as bad as they are, do have some players in uh, Devin Booker and Jamal Crawford who can make shots. And so you get in that kind of, back and forth battle that comes down to the wire 
with a team that has guys like that and you start to get a little a little worried, a little scary, and you're just lucky if you have the uh, last shot, which the Spurs did, and uh, Rudy Gay put it down and the Spurs sort of dodged a pretty big bullet there. And, you know, it's an important homestand for them because, um, you know, it's a four-game homestand leading into a uh, eight-game rodeo road trip that's kind of bisected by the uh, all-star break. But uh, whenever you're going to go on the road for eight in a row, you want to take care of the four you have at home. And when you have of those four you have at home, if you have the worst team in the Western Conference on your home floor during that home stand, you have to win that game. And I guess from that perspective, the Spurs took care of business tonight. But uh, as we've mentioned before, it was not pretty and was not easy. Maybe we'll talk more about that uh, upcoming rodeo road trip in a sec. You also mentioned All Star, so um, a bit of a snub in, in some ways. Uh, there's two different ways that I guess you could say there was a snub that took place. Yeah, um, let's start with the three point contest because the Spurs have the best three point percentage in the league, and in fact, I, I haven't totaled it up after tonight's game, but coming into tonight's game, um, they were shooting forty point nine percent from three-point range, which is not only the tops in the NBA, but would be a franchise record. They've got three guys shooting better than 40% from three. Uh, but as of now, and the, the field has not been formalized, I should uh, finalized, I should say that up top. But as of now, um, it does not sound like they have a uh, shooter in the three-point contest at the All-Star game field. Um, you know, the, the league hasn't, hasn't formally announced all that yet. Some names have leaked out. Um, Seth and Steph Curry, the, the Curry brothers are going to shoot against each other in their hometown of Charlotte. Dirk Nowitzki is going to shoot in what could be his last all-star weekend. Um, Damian Lillard is an all-star, uh, who, who, uh, is reportedly going to be in the field. Uh, Sacramento's buddy Hild, Heald is supposed to be, is it Hild or Heald? I never, I always forget that. Uh, but he's supposed to be in the field. Um, there's probably three spots left. Um, we just and uh, the Spurs have I mentioned four guys shooting better than forty percent from three. Leading all of them is Davis Bertans, who's also leading the entire NBA. We I asked him again tonight if he had heard from the league about possibly shooting, and he said he had not. So uh, it's not that he's been officially snubbed yet, but it seems to be trending in that direction. And Listen, I don't care. Like, I just can't get worked up about who's in the three-point field. If you want to put in Davis Bertans because he's the league's leading three-point shooter, that's great. You want to start a rule that whoever's leading the league in three-point shooting at the All-Star break gets to shoot in the three-point shootout, I'm all for that. But it's an exhibition. It's not like a, it's not like a let's reward the top eight three-point shooters kind of thing. It's not a let's – Let's find out who's the best three-point shooter in all the universe. It's an exhibition. It's just supposed to be. It's a kind of a made-for-TV event. Um, so I understand why the league wants to trend for these sort of storylines. You know, the Curry, you know, Curry versus Curry, or or you know, you know, Dirk and his Twilight, that kind of thing. And I understand why you choose that over just choosing sort of a vanilla shooter coming off the bench in small market San Antonio. I mean. No one's going to argue if Davis Bertans ends up in that field. He's a great shooter. He could probably win the thing if he's in it. Um, but if he's not, you know, I'm not going to really cry foul or anything. Like, I just can't bring myself to get that worked up about the three-point shootout field. I mean, uh, you know, I, I just I just 
I have a lot more problems in my life than than to, to care what happens with that. But you know, if if it does happen that Davis gets uh, invited, you know, more power to him. He's totally well deserved, and and uh, like I said earlier, he has a good shot at winning it. Just I think his shooting stroke is built for that kind of contest. And then also kind of the second snub that I mentioned, this one maybe I guess would be more important because there is that long record that, uh, you know, Spurs have a lot of long records that last year and this year people were worried about whether or not they would continue. Um, So far, no All-Stars named, but the reserves are going to be announced Thursday. Yeah, I believe it's 20 straight All-Star games the Spurs have had a a representative in. And uh, I think that that streak is in real jeopardy this year. And it's not because the Spurs don't have deserving candidates. And in a way it's because they have two. Um, I, I think, you know, the reserves are voted on by the coaches, by the Western conference coaches. You can only vote for players in your conference. You can't vote for players on your own team. So, you know, I, I feel pretty confident that every coach is going to have a Spurs name on his ballot. I just think some coaches are going to put DeMar DeRozan's name there and some coaches are going to put LaMarcus Aldridge's name there. And I think by splitting that vote, I think it's going to, I, I think there's really a scenario where it costs both of them and neither one gets in. And someone like, you know, Donovan Mitchell from Utah, who's a, you know, he's an all-star caliber player. I'm not going to say that, that, that that's, yeah, you know, not deserving that someone like that gets in over, over a spur. I, I, re, I really think there's an opportunity for that to happen because if you look at these coaches, you know, in the Western Conference, they've played um, the Spurs a couple of times this year. And I guarantee if you go through the list, some of them got burned by LaMarcus Aldridge. Some of them got burned by DeMar DeRozan. And um, I, I think there's a good chance the vote splits and, and neither one goes. And, you know, I'm, I'm not – again, I'm not going to get on a pedestal and uh, or on a mountaintop and scream that someone got robbed because I think the 12 guys have – comprise the Western Conference All-Stars are going to be all-deserving players. Um, but I think both those guys have played well enough this year to deserve consideration. I just think if it, was, if it wasn't for the other guy, um, one of them would probably get it. And there's, there's, there's precedent for this. I think, um, you know, Paul George from Oklahoma City last year did make the All-Star team. And a, a lot of that was because, uh, you know, other guys off his roster were drawing votes away from him. And I think that's what you're going to see. I think, I think, like I mentioned earlier, every every Western Conference coach will have one Spurs name on there, but nobody's going to put two Spurs names on there. There just aren't enough spots. Um, I th- I think the coaches really want to reward a Spurs player. I think I think just um, coaches have a lot of respect for the Spurs and their program, and will always look for a way to get them in. I just don't think I think they're they're going to. There's a chance they split the vote, and either one of them. It's in. If I had to pick one at this point, I th- I think my vote would go to, to LaMarcus. I think that would have been a different answer maybe a month and a half ago because um, LaMarcus really had a really horrific November. But but December and January were, were great, and he's kind of carried the Spurs at a time where DeMar DeRozan has kind of faded a little bit. And so, I you know, if it were up to me, he would get rewarded for that. But I'm not sure that's going to happen. I guess we'll have to wait and see on Thursday. And then going back to something that was mentioned a little bit earlier, we got that uh, rodeo road trip coming up. Do you want to talk a little bit about uh, the upcoming games uh, leading up to getting the heck out of Dodge? Yeah, the Spurs are in the middle of a four game 
homestand. And, it, you know, it's a, it's just pretty important as a springboard into that period where you're not going to be at home for uh, basically three weeks. Um, and they won the first two games of this this homestand. They beat Washington and they beat Phoenix. Uh, and, they've, and they've got uh, Brooklyn coming in on Thursday and the Pelicans coming in on Saturday. And, you know, on paper, you know, it looks like sort of an easy path to 4-0 and on the homestand. But Brooklyn is kind of better than, than kind of their name signifies at this point. They're having a pretty good season, a pretty – uh, they're, they're a dangerous team. They're, they've got they've got a team uh, instead of uh, you know a collection of players, and I, and they're playing really well. And I don't think that's a gimme game at all. And then with the Pelicans, man, you just don't know what to expect because the Pelicans are going through such turmoil now with Anthony Davis. They're all universe uh, all star center. You know, I was going to say signaling, but it's not signaling. It's flat announcing that he doesn't want to play there no more and wants to be uh, traded as soon as possible, whether it's now or this summer. Um, and he's injured right now. We're not sure if he's going to play in that game on Saturday. Um, if he, what, and what's that team look like? What's the uh, mentality around that New Orleans team? Are they um, banding together to, to, to uh, show the world that they can compete without Anthony? Are they, are they in the dumps? You know, tonight they went into – was that game in Houston? They beat the Rockets. I believe it was in Houston. Went into Houston, won a game against the vaunted Houston Rockets without Anthony Davis. So they're definitely capable of putting a game together. Um, so I'm not sure that game is going to be quite the cakewalk that maybe people think it is. I think it's going to be a more difficult path to closing this um, homestand undefeated than it probably looks on paper. And especially if the Spurs play the way they did tonight against Phoenix, you kind of hope that's sort of a, uh, another wake-up call for them to be like, hey, you can't just, uh, no matter who you're playing, no matter if they're 11 and 40 or whatever Phoenix was, you can't just show up and think that team's going to roll over because, you know, every team is full of players that are in the NBA for a reason and that are trying to win games. I mean, even if the organization might be trying to play for draft picks and quote-unquote tank, Players on the floor are playing to win basketball games, and they're NBA players. And if you just show up, sort of thinking they're going to roll over, it doesn't really go well for for you. So hopefully, if you're the Spurs tonight, was sort of a wake up call. You got still got the victory, and maybe you take a better mentality into these final two games of the homestand against Brooklyn and New Orleans. And then wrapping things up, Jeff, some uh, final thoughts, and also maybe. A thought or two about uh, DeMar DeRozan. Obviously missed a few games in a row, but uh, hopefully coming back. And he had that January slump. January is almost over. Yeah, it, it seems like this was more of a rest and mental break than anything else. I think the Spurs are calling it a sore left knee, but talking to him, um, he just he just sort of thinks it was, a, it was a good time to get a lot of just little bumps and bruises sort of healed up and freshened up. Um, he told our Tom Orsborn earlier tonight, you know, that that – Maybe earlier in his career, he tries to power through something like this and just keep playing. But but at this point, you know, as he's nearing his 30th birthday and playing for a coach like Pop, who is is really proactive about getting people rest and getting people healed up, um, he sort of agrees maybe it was good to take this. Like this was his third game off in a row. Um, take a few games to just sort of heal up and maybe mentally refocus and recollect himself and kind of try to get back to where he was. Uh, in November and December and put this January behind him because yeah, it has been sort of 
it's definitely been his worst month of the season as far as scoring and shooting and turnovers and all that sort of thing. And for the Spurs to be as good as they're going to be, you know, they really haven't had they they really haven't had Demar Derozan and Lamarcus Aldridge playing at an All Star level at the same time. Demar was out of this world to start the season. Lamarcus had the slow start, and almost right as Lamarcus started to get things together and look like the player that made the All Star team last year. Um, DeMar starts to fade off a little. So if they can ever get both guys firing on all cylinders at the same time, I think that's when you're going to see the Spurs sort of start to reach their their peak. So I think that's really what's going to be important uh, once DeMar comes back and going into the rodeo trip and then out of the all-star break and down the stretch. That, that's going to be something worth watching. Can they get both those guys going at the same time? And a big thank you for the late night discussion from San Antonio Express News sports writer Jeff McDonald on today's episode of the Spurs Insider, our weekly NBA podcast from ExpressNews.com. For the San Antonio Express News, I'm Chance Dorling.